0: Okay, let's pray, and then we'll get started. Uh, Father, we come here to hear your word, to glorify you through your son, Jesus Christ. We pray that your spirit would fall on us, uh, that, you'd be, um, that you would teach us here this morning, that we would hear from you, and you would give us your words. Uh, amen. Okay, so um, our title today is... The Great Commission and Your Role in It, Part 4. Or, as the uh, bulletins say, uh, just a follow-up to Josiah's messages on evangelism. And so I think, this is just my personal opinion, um, I think there's been three uh, kind of mini-series that have been preached here at the 9.30, maybe Sam's was at the 10.30, I don't know, Uh, that have been really good um and i think that uh the lord's just using in conjunction with those preachings and and what we're doing or what he's doing here in our community and so uh i was debating you know my fallback is cuz i do the wednesdays as of just a homily on the scripture readings uh every time i'm doing the 9:30 cuz that's the easiest cuz i already did it already um but I think Josiah's evangelism series has been really good. Uh, Sam Chinpoon's message on worship was amazing. And also Josiah's messages on prayer. And so I just really want to do a follow-up to, and just do a, another message on evangelism. Um, and not necessarily hit things that I think Josiah missed, because I, I don't think he really missed anything. But just look at it from a different angle and... Um, Maybe, not necessarily practical, but um, kind of maybe some just like real things of how we do it in Grace Christian Fellowship. And so uh, I think there was like maybe 10 or 12 people on on here on Wednesday night. Um, and so we were doing the scripture readings for Easter. And if anybody, this is like a interactive thing, so... Hey, there we go. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, You guys don't have to sit there quiet and like pretend like you're listening. I'm going to see if you're listening. Um, So you would have had to been here on Wednesday uh, uh, to understand, but, or maybe to know what I'm talking about. So does anybody that was here on Wednesday remember that the whole season of Easter, we talked about Easter is a season of witnessing, right? Uh, All of the scripture verses were focused around that. Easter is a, is a time of witnessing uh, to the Lord's resurrection and to his power and to everything. And so we talked for about uh, seven weeks about, about that. Um, and then when you get <coughs> to the day of Pentecost, um, there's no outlines, but one of the first verses we'll look at is Acts 1.8, when uh, Jesus says that, Wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. For then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. And so, uh, Pentecost is a witnessing season. Easter is a witnessing season. Advent is a witnessing season. Uh, uh, Ordinary time. That's a witnessing season, there we go. And so, uh, the whole church calendar is circulated around... Uh, the ministry of Christ, uh, which is a season of witnessing all year. And so um, on Wednesday, this last Wednesday, um, I don't even remember. It's, this is Trinity Sunday, by the way. If you notice, the pyramid is different. It was red for Pentecost, uh, and now it's white. And today is Trinity Sunday. And if you want to hear a message on that, listen to Wednesday's teaching because uh, I don't have anything for you today. Talk to John Luke. He'll tell you about it. Um, And so, but, um, and so Wednesday, just kind of as a practical thing, uh, it seemed like the Spirit was just flowing and moving, and all we prayed about was evangelism. We weren't necessarily talking about uh, evangelism particularly on Wednesday, but we started praying for, what was that, like 30, 40 minutes. about just like people we know, family members, that we'd become a witnessing community. Uh, So much so that I thought it was kind of funny um, that I was like waiting to like pray. I was like, okay, I got some prayers I wanna pray. But it took me like 15 minutes to be able to get in there because it was just like one after another. You know how you go to those awkward prayer meetings and it's like, well, there's been two minutes of silence. I think I'll say a prayer. Uh, (laughs) And I wait, this wasn't like that. Um, On Wednesday, it was just, uh, it seemed like the Spirit was moving, and uh, for the whole time, it was just focused on evangelism. So that's why I I, kind of wanted to do this follow-up, and I was planning on doing it anyways uh, next time, uh, which is today, that I was speaking. So uh, I just want to mention, because prayer and evangelism go hand in hand. And so a lot of us, uh, well, to kind of start a little bit farther back, um, which is farther in my notes. So I don't think the Western church has a big emphasis on evangelism. Uh, When just looking at Matthew, I'm sorry, at Acts 1-8, Jesus said to all the disciples, 120 disciples in the upper room, that you wait and you'll be my witnesses when you receive power from on high. And so that was, um, if you believe that the day of Pentecost was the inception of the church, It's debatable by what you mean, but uh, then you believe that the church's primary focus is to be a witness to Christ, and everything that that entails, which we'll talk about. Um, But largely in the Western church, we just ignore that, and we say that's for other people, that's for people God has a calling on to do that, and if they feel led, and uh, if they read a book about it or something, or if they're a type A personality, or... uh, or if you pay them enough money, they'll do it so you don't have to do it or something. But um, evangelism is a, and witnessing is a call for everybody in the church. It's not isolated to any one individual. Um, it's not that everybody does it the same way, but everybody's called to be a witness. And so we'll look a little bit at that about that. But if you're not ready to evangelism or you're not prepared or have your mind set to share the gospel or to talk to somebody about Christ then you're pretty much wasting your time praying for them. Um, So, uh, I'm not drawing this from this specific example from Scripture, but usually when the Lord has you pray for somebody, especially in an evangelistic way, who do you think the Lord's going to use? Somebody else. No, it's going to be you. Uh, Lord, please help my brother to come to Christ. Please bring somebody that has... A love for him and and wants to share the gospel with him, but not me. I know that's me, but don't send me. Don't make me like uh, Isaiah. I've seen the Lord high and lifted up. I'm undone. Send somebody else, right? That's kind of what we do. Um, So evangelism is not a major theme in our Western churches, Um, but it should be a regular Christian discipline. And so I brought with me uh, two things uh, what's it called, a visual example, visual aids that we use in kids' class. Um, we don't have this in our library, but this was, I thought this was better than Celebration of Discipline, but it's thicker, but it's easier to read, and it's not as dry. Uh, this is by Donald S. Whitney, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. And uh, this is just a basic book, like our um, Celebration of Discipline or The Disciplined Life, That is a a book about Christian disciplines, and he lists them. And so if you want to know where you're lacking in regular Christian discipline, you can just look at the table of contents. Bible intake, prayer, worship, evangelism, serving, stewardship, fasting, silence and solitude, some of us need to work on that one, journaling, and learning. that silence and solitude was a joke. That was supposed to be like a ha-ha-ha. That was light because we talked too much. Uh, and so something that's good, especially if, like, um, towards the new year, if you make any goals or plans for the year, I always just look at the table of contents here and be like, okay, what have I neglected in my life, in my regular Christian dis- disciplines? And that's, uh, first of all, that's a longer list than I would come up with if I read the scriptures and try to figure it out. That's why we use good books. And so um, journaling has always been hard for me. So every year I make my list, which is journaling, on a goal to start journaling. And I usually write one or two journal entries, and then I wait until January again, and I do a couple more. So, but anyways, so there should be some kind of list of like Christian disciplines that we need to grow in, that's somewhat systematic and we regularly look at. And um, books like this help because I read the chapter on evangelism last night. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that. That's probably like a hindrance to why we don't evangelism. And I didn't really think about that one. And, um, and he gives you a really short synopsis of like why it's a Christian discipline, why it's for everybody, um, and what are hindrances. And he does that for all of them. And so, uh, Again, that's Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney. Uh, I think think it's the exact same Christian disciplines that are listed in Celebration of Discipline um, that we have in our library. And so uh, we also have regular teachings about the five vital signs of life. How many, just a show of raise of hands, how many people have heard uh, a teaching, um, or let's just say, have you heard a teaching on the five vital signs of life? know what the five vital signs of life are, or even know what I'm talking about. Uh, So that's probably about half, if everyone's honest. And so um, there is a, uh, I was talking to Noelle last night and she said that in the two years that she's come here regularly, she doesn't think she's heard a sermon on just those five, which may be true. I'm assuming she listens intently and whatever. Um, but I think that's true. Um, but we have regular teachings that we reference in our church, but we might not teach on them. And so uh, in the five vital signs of life, how we have them listed, which is not our own original teaching. You can see it in Wayne Grudem systematic Theology and um, Church Fathers ever uh, ever since the first century. Um, the last sign, meaning that like the Holy Spirit is living and dwelling in you, God is doing something and giving you life is that you want to share Christ with people. Matthew 4, 19 says, follow, when Jesus is calling his disciples, uh, specifically Peter, I think, and Andrew, uh, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So again, the church, to be a disciple of Christ, means you're going to make disciples. And that entails evangelism. And before everybody, again, starts to get scared and be like, oh no. I've got to do something. Well, you do. Uh, evangelism isn't always what you think it is. You could go out and street preach. I think you should. Some of you would be good at that. Some of you, some of us have done that. Um, but evangelism is much broader than that. Uh, and if God has gifted you with a motivation, a personality, uh, He's gifted you enough to share the gospel. In whatever situation you're in, and so, um, again, in John twenty twenty one, Jesus says, uh, "Just as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you." And so, did Jesus come and share the gospel? Yeah. This is yes, <laughs> yeah, right. So, are we going to be sent like him? Yes. 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 Are we going to share the gospel? Is that limited to just the apostles in the first century? No, no. 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 Is that just for like paid church staff or the people who feel they have a calling? No, these are uh, didactic, uh, obligatory commands. This is supposed to be a way of life. And so it's a little bit different um, when things are easy and organic, like, as in, like, um, I I like to, uh, I'll, I'll just give Noelle as an example, since she's kind of cool and I like her. Um, she likes to garden, and so it's very easy for her to, like, come over to the house and garden and want me to garden and get me involved, and I'm like, well, I want to, like, sometimes do something else, uh, but it's very easy for her to just go out and naturally garden, and um, if you guys don't know, we've got two or three cherry trees, we've got three peach trees, we've got a pear tree and an apple tree, and the house uh, that we bought um, had a huge garden in the back. We didn't plant any of it. Uh, But now we've got lettuce and everything. And so, she loves to do it. It's very natural for her, so she does it. Uh, Not for me. I have to be told or forced. And so, (laughs) but it's become a lifestyle because we have all these things that we have to take care of in the garden, from lettuce to peas to watermelon, and now Mariah gets involved, Lily gets involved, and it's not as natural for me, but it's still a way of life, right? It's still a regular discipline I have to do. Um, To give you an example, so peach trees are terrible. We have three of them, and they weren't pruned, and so I have to get up on a ladder And there's, uh, I filled up two five-gallon buckets over the last week with peaches that are like the size of a quarter because uh, if they all were to grow, none of them would be good. It's just like when Jesus says in John 15, uh, 6 or 8, where he says, you know, um, if you bear fruit, I prune you so that you'll bear more fruit. So I'm not pruning and cutting away. I'm thinning the trees. And there's literally thousands of, of peaches on the tree, and I'm picking them off systematically to where there's maybe one or 200 left. That's a lot of work. If you guys want to learn about Jesus's parables, come over to my house and I'll uh, put you to work. And, um, uh, but it's like a lot of work, it's, um, but it's so that there'll be fruit, right? And so Uh, evangelism actually just has to be a way of life for a church. We're missing something um, innately that Jesus called us to if we don't do that. And that doesn't mean we have to have like a class that says, uh, this is less organic, that we have a class that we come here and we say, okay, you sign up on the sheet and you want to evangelize. And so we're going to send you over here to do this. We could do that. I'd love to do that. Uh, We did that in RCF, but... What I'm, what, I think what Josiah was advocating for um, and what I'm advocating for is that we need to each individually seek to be evangelistic as a way of life. Look for opportunities to witness about Christ uh, verbally and in our lifestyles. And so very um, frankly, when Jesus says to the disciples in Acts 1, that uh, wait in Jerusalem for you will receive power from on high and then you will be my witnesses uh, it's my belief that well it's not my belief if you've been baptized in the spirit and you come to this church you're ready for evangelism yay uh, you're like oh no maybe I need a little bit more work uh, and it's my opinion that if you're here at the 930 and you're mostly on time then you're mature enough for evangelism and I think you can do it. Uh, the pe- no, well, Who cares about the other people? We all care about the other people, but you're here. And so um, when we talk about like an organic kind of church way, uh, lifestyle of evangelism, um, let's look at 1 Peter three fifteen and 17. Uh, in the ESV it says, <coughs> excuse me, but in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord is holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. And so we normally say that there's two types of evangelism. Proclamation, meaning in that verse, when someone asks you for the the hope that you have, That you tell them. Um, Romans 10 says, How can anyone believe unless someone preaches? How can someone preach unless they're sent? Right? Like, no one's ever going to come to Christ unless somebody tells them the gospel, unless somebody preaches, or unless they, uh, you know, sometimes in in God's divine plan, people just find Bibles or something and they start reading, but then uh, they quickly get connected with another Christian. Who explains it? And so, um, just like with prayer and just like with sharing the gospel or talking to people about Christ, uh, God doesn't need it per se. God can do whatever He wants to do, but He has decided that the kingdom of God comes through prayer and through preaching, and that people get converted through us witnessing and telling them about Christ. Um, why? I don't exactly know. Maybe because he likes to show how powerful he is and that he could use people like us, a bunch of degenerates who, quite frankly, don't deserve Christ. uh, And now he wants to use us as ambassadors. That's a pretty good calling. Uh, So we we have to, in our community, have a lifestyle of proclamation evangelism. We should be witnessing amongst each other regularly. That should be um, uh, speaking of what Christ has done. Uh, You guys remember in... um, This one kind of ties both of them together. The other type is lifestyle, but I actually want to add friendship evangelism, but that would be part of proclamation, but I want to make it separate. And so lifestyle evangelism is people see our lifestyle, they see, oh... This person's uh, kids aren't cussing and spitting on them. Uh, My kid cusses and spits on me. So what are they doing differently? Uh, And then we have a chance because they noticed our lifestyle to tell them, proclaim Christ. Um, That's the in 1 Peter 3 uh, where he says "Uh, when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. And so we're supposed to walk in integrity. We're supposed to live better lives. Uh, you know, in Matthew five sixteen, 16, uh, Christ is teaching, let your light shine before you so that others may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And so we should be doing, I don't think it's wrong if you can have right motives and you just have to uh, be introspect about it, to do good works uh, to be seen. Right? Not so that you can boast in yourself and make yourself known, but so that you can give glory to God, right? I think it's okay to do something so that someone notices, so that you can have an, an, uh, uh, an opportunity to share Christ, if that's your motive. Um, and just like Paul says in Philippians, where they, they preach Christ out of uh, sincerity of heart or out of pretext, Christ is proclaimed. Go, go proclaim Christ either way. Um, and so, to give a quick example, uh, one of Noel's, this is, I think this is like, an, this is 1 Peter 3, 15 through 17, like, embodied, like it came to life, it's real, it happens. Uh, has anybody ever come up to you and said, why do you have hope? I see you have hope. If the answer is no, then uh, maybe you should examine your life a little bit closely. Uh, again, I like to talk about Noel, we're getting married in 13 days, so... Um, What's that? but who's counting? No, yeah. I do have a countdown (laughs) on my phone. And so she has a student uh, that uh, was asking her, because they chat and and whatever. And so Noelle actually has a student um, that was around the, you guys remember when the Capitol riots were happening, uh, which was very fearful, very worried about it. Um, And this student was asking Noelle how she felt. And Noelle was saying, well, I'm not too worried about it. Lord's in control and everything will be okay. And this person was just like, wow, like, you're just like, okay? Like, you're not worried? Like, our whole nation's falling apart and everyone's going to die and something's going to happen. We're all going to die. I don't know exactly if that's how the conversation went, but she was very worried about it, you know, maybe rightly, Uh, but no, I'll just explain that. Hey, I'm, I've got a Lord who's sovereign. He's King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Uh, I don't really have anything to worry about. And so that was uh, exactly what 1 Peter 3, uh, 15 through 17 says. And that was the mechanism that the Lord used. And now uh, Noel not only uh, makes money off of her through violin lessons or piano, I don't know which one it is, uh, but they have a regular ongoing Bible study, an evangelistic Bible study. That's like, oh, wow, that's pretty crazy. And she's interested in... Christianity, and uh, uh, I think she's even she doesn't live in Ohio. Is even considering moving to Dayton because no, if Noel just said, "Well, I'm not too worried about it," and moved on, and didn't mention the Lord, none of that would have happened. No Bible studies would have happened. Uh, the Lord would have used somebody else, right? Um, we we used to regularly when RCF was a thing, uh, when Right State was a thing in person. Um, we would go table to table and share the gospel. And that uh, started many Bible studies. Um, we haven't had much fruit in proclamation evangelism uh, in just going table to table, sharing the gospel in a systematic public format. Uh, but I think on the third example, which is why I, I list it separately, friendship of evangelism is, uh, is where we see a lot of fruit. And so in all the Gospels, well, in the Synoptic Gospels, uh, we know when Peter goes and gets Andrew and says, Andrew, I've found the Christ, uh, or as Peter says to Andrew, I found the Christ, and calls him, uh, there's, there's friendship, there's, there's contact evangelism, where there's somebody you know um, who even might be a professing Christian or, or is a genuine Christian, just needs help growing in the certain, uh, and the Lord's placed you in their life Uh, Maybe not to come to this church, but to proclaim Christ and help them, right? To glorify Christ. And so look out for those situations. Um, And so I just kind of wanted to say that uh, evangelism, again, is for everybody. Uh, Ephesians 4.11 says that Christ gave gifts to men, apostles, prophets, shepherds, teachers, and evangelists to equip the church for the work of ministry, Who's the church? Raise your hand if you're the church. Okay, you're not raising your hands. Come uh, (laughs) talk to somebody later. We'll make you the church. Uh, And so I think everybody should be ready to take people through Bible studies. Everybody should be ready to evangelize. And you don't need to quite frankly, you don't need to know that much uh, to take somebody through a Bible study. Um, I'm just going to ask a question. If someone's seeking out Christianity, where do you want to, like, where can they start? What should they start doing? Reading the Bible. Bible. Wow, that's a good answer. (laughs) Uh, I'm glad that was an answer. You could have gone any way. But yeah, get them to read the Bible. Wow. There you go. That's, you don't need to know anymore. Uh, You know that. And so you can get them to start reading the Bible. You know more about the Bible than they do probably. Um, And so you can help. You can actually take somebody and walk them through scripture. Uh, You can talk about uh, what the Lord has done for you. Um, And you can begin to do Bible studies. You know what's great about, I do this all the time. You know what's great about taking people through Bible studies? You don't even really need to be prepared. Now that sounds weird, right? You're like, what are you doing, Steve? Uh, and so, how many people do you meet on the street or your friends and say, let's do a Bible study right now? Like right now? Okay, no, you don't do that. You're like, okay, let's meet on Tuesday at 7 p.m. And that's a few days from now. So you have time to get prepared. So I didn't say you shouldn't be prepared. You should. Uh, but there's nobody, we get scared. It's like, oh, we're not ready to do Bible studies. Well, start preaching Christ, uh, speaking the gospel and uh be ready to share the gospel and you'll be ready trust me um you'll get ready and so so we usually have uh i listed four things that usually keep us from evangelism um and i'm just going to go over those in the next 15 to 20 minutes so fear being number one fear usually holds us back uh that fear is a fallacy I'm scared of a lot of things. So what? Who cares? Uh, That's a command, right? Um, You know, I I do this with Lily all the time. She says, I can't do it. I'm like, well, not with that attitude. Uh, You can't, right? And so um, a lot of times fear holds us back, and there's a fear of different things, but uh, it's a command. It's supposed to be a way of life. We should all be evangelistic. We should all be sharing the gospel. We should all be speaking to one another and to others about Christ and welcoming them in to the kingdom. And um, as Matthew, I think it's 11, 12, or, or 12, 13. I can't remember. I know it's numbers back to back say that the, the uh, kingdom of God comes violently and those are violently urged into it. So violently urge people into the, into the kingdom. Uh, don't let fear hold you back. Uh, your fear is what I in my mind my way of thinking I say fear is not real uh, or what you're scared of is usually not real Um, whether it's like oh I can't go up and talk to people I don't know how to talk to people Uh, that might be true Uh, you can get better at that but usually like since I use my kids as an example like uh, we started to watch we read through the children's version of Pilgrim's Progress over the last like three months uh, uh, at home, and so then I realized, uh, we just got done a couple of days ago, and so we started to watch the theatrical version that the Gettys put together or something, and there's all these like flying demons, and okay, that scares a six-year-old, uh, so <laughs> Lily was in bed crying last night because she was scared, and I'm like, okay, well, and she was scared of flying demons. And, <laughs> Uh, that she saw on the screen and I was like, well, do you see them now? She's like, no. I like, okay, are they here? <laughs> She's looking, no. Okay. Then like, is the Lord in control? Yeah. Okay. Then there's nothing to be scared of. It's not real. As in, not that there's not really demons, but there's no reason for you to be scared, right? Uh, and that's usually the kind of fear that holds us back is it's not really real. We're scared of something that doesn't really matter or is that we're putting in a higher priority than the Lord's commands and whatnot. And we would allow fear to hold us back. But uh, you'll always be held back with that attitude. So just do it. Um, so we usually feel uh, like we've tried to evangelize. There's some that have tried to evangelize and feel like they failed. And I say feel like they failed uh, because that's just a feeling. Um, what's successful evangelism? Telling them. Thank you, Josiah, the guy that did three sermons on evangelism. Uh, If you tell them, it was successful. Uh, If you think you need to go out there, share the gospel or tell your friends uh, or invite them to church or something and they don't respond how you think they need to respond or they don't say a sinner's prayer right there on the spot then you failed, Uh, well, you just have a wrong way of thinking. That's not how the gospel is presented. Uh, Paul failed in evangelism in his missionary journeys more than he succeeded by that mindset. Um, I would say by Paul's uh, matrix and method of thinking, if you go somewhere and they don't hit you or throw stones at you, you failed. Uh, So take that into consideration. Um, So it doesn't matter if you feel like you failed or not. That's not like... um, like if I tell my kids to clean their room and they're like, well, I, I don't think I'll be able to do good enough. I'm like, oh, okay, then don't clean your room. <laughs> You're right. Uh, no, we don't do that. It's a, it's a command. It's an obligation. It's something we get to uh, participate in. And so success is that Christ was named, that he's glorified, that we chose part of, I think, why the Lord calls us to evangelize and we have so many humanistic fears is because uh, I Knowing in God's uh, omniscience that this person is not going to receive the gospel, he's not doing it for them per se, he's doing it for us. Because I've got a problem with fear. I've got a problem with placing other people's opinions above above the Lord's and I need that uh, just to become more mature. Uh, I was gonna read a Barna quote who uh, is a Christian statistician researcher. Uh, but I'm gonna skip it for now, but it's in the book that I mentioned earlier. So read it when you get to the evangelism part. So a third thing that comes up, and um, all of these are fallacies, uh, is that we feel unprepared. We kind of hit on that earlier. Uh, you are more prepared than they are, and that's all that matters. Um, if you have been a Christian for 24 hours, you know more than... Most. And so um, I remember, and so I'm going to just give a practical thing. Uh, Our third visual aid today is does anybody recognize this? Mm. Kyle, Sydney, Melody, what is this? This is an evangelism test. You'll find this in 2nd Opinions 3. Um, uh, So this is not, uh, so you're already prepared. So, right? So, you don't need an evangelism test. We use this in the system that, (coughs) excuse me, in the system we use at RCF, and uh, that's because uh, we did a long study on getting people prepared. And so, uh, this is a 100-point test. This is uh, a watered-down version, which is a nicer way of saying a dumbed-down version, from the campus ministry test that they would use in the 80s, uh, which was a lot thicker than this, and a lot more detail-oriented. And so, if you feel like you're unprepared, step one, and you want to evangelize, well, actually, if you don't, who cares if you want to or not? Uh, If you feel unprepared, you can just simply come to me, and I can help you prepare. It's very simple. Um, With the caveat that uh, you're getting prepared to do something. Right? No one's uh, getting prepared to have more knowledge and sit at home. And so... Um, there's certain things like, uh, just that we use internally, like what are the five vital signs of life with scriptures? What are the five steps to entering Christ's kingdom with scriptures? How should you dress during evangelism? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, what are two of the secondary rules? Because we would use a system where there's a primary, the primary had to pass this in order to get my backing to go and evangelize. Um, and to represent RCF. And so uh, you needed to know what the primary roles were and the secondary roles, because we'd go in pairs. Uh, what are the three reasons why people join a group? Please write a short essay explaining the gospel. It's two pages for that. Uh, what is the introduction used at the door uh, or at the table, because we'd go door to door and table to table. And so if your if you first fear is like, I don't know what to say to people, we already had that covered. You just have to memorize the introduction. Hi, my name is Stephen. I'm here with RCF. We're a Christian group on campus. Uh, can I take a few minutes to talk to you about the Christian faith and lifestyle? That was pretty easy, right? That's five points. I would have passed that one. And it's been a while. And then here's the, the big one. Uh, match up the following verses. And there's 41 Bible verses. And we have a evangelism scripture sheet of 41 Bible verses that you should memorize. Uh, that might be the hardest part. Um, So if you feel unprepared, simply come to me. Uh, We can go get dinner or you can come over and we can talk about it and you can be prepared, right? Simple, there's a solution. Um, And then uh, number four, uh, the biggest deception is we feel like we don't have enough time. Um, That's what we tell ourselves when we don't want to do it uh, or we're letting other things hold us back. So, well, I'm really focusing on on my crocheting this week, or whatever people do, um, or my gardening, or whatever. Uh, we always make excuses of why we can't um, share the gospel or read our scripture or do any of the regular Christian disciplines. And so uh, Jesus had a parable about that, uh, the parable of the wedding feast. All these people are invited to the wedding feast, I got a, you know, they get this huge invite. Hey, welcome, come in. Uh, I can't, uh, my, my, my daughter just got married, can't do it. Uh, I got these new goats, can't do it, uh, or whatever. They <laughs> I got to tend to the sheep or something. And so all these people had excuses of like, well, I'm busy, I can't do it. I can't come to the wedding feast because I don't have enough time. And so um, imagine, uh, you know, uh, 2 Corinthians five ten says that, Uh, Everyone must sit at the judgment seat of Christ uh, to be uh, given to them what was done in the body, whether good or bad. And so uh, think about Christ, like sitting at the judgment seat of Christ. And He's like, so, I see here you didn't evangelize once in your life. And that was like the major call of the church. And you're like, well, sorry, Jesus, I just didn't have time. I was busy. Right? I don't think that's going to fly. Uh, so that's, these, these, aren't like real excuses. What I'm trying to say is we, we can overcome them. It's a call of the church. We're all supposed to be utilized. Um, and, and that should be, uh, we don't have any like systematic program for evangelism. So I'm just arguing that everybody should be evangelizing. We need to heighten our evangelistic mindset. That should become, um, A major mindset and calling of it is of the church but of our church and again um, a lot of that comes into like practical like everyday things how do you share christ um you know when we think of lifestyle evangelism that's part of sanctification don't do things that will bring a bad name to christ right uh that's hard well that's near impossible uh, without being filled with the Holy Spirit and being sanctified. And so, but that's what we're thinking. That's, that should be our way of thinking, right? Peter says, arm yourself with this way of thinking um, or prepare your minds for battle, knowing that the grace of, have the hope in that the grace of the Lord will be de- delivered to you. And so uh, you should care about being the best employee according to Christ. Uh, do everything, whether in word or deed, uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is Colossians 3.17. And so I think uh, lifestyle evangelism is just opening you an opportunity to share the gospel or to talk to somebody about Christ. And that doesn't mean, um, just to ease everybody's mind, that doesn't mean like, okay, now I have to go into this very clear, like, Jesus died for your sins, and would you please repent? And uh, it's hey, why don't you come over, have dinner with me and my family, or my single brother's household, and why don't we just talk about it? Because in reality, right, we have I know people who have come to Christ uh, from street preachers, who on um, college campuses have heard someone speaking the gospel and received Christ and became very mature Christians. Um, we're not all going to do open-air preaching, right? Uh, the, the human dynamic and relationship is something that God built into reality. And so what's going on with, like, Noelle and her student is they have a bunch of questions. We live in a post-Christian world where people who think they know about Christianity actually know nothing about Christianity. And people who... Uh, uh, especially dislike Christians because of things they do, are most likely, in my experience, disliking what some Christians do who are bringing a bad name to Christ. That happens all the time. Um, Tim Keller handles that and the reason for God. of Well, they're not... Christians really do bad things. Read it, it's all over the Bible. Uh, that's why we have scripture, because <laughs> we're terrible people. Um, But that doesn't negate the truth that God exists and that he is sanctifying a people for himself. And so you can simply just invite people over for dinner, make time for hospitality, welcome people in, uh, get coffee, um, you know, whatever. Uh, I'd say invite them to church. You could do that. But I really think you should take the step to invite them over to your house to Uh, to speak about Christ, to let them see how your family or your household operates um, and whatnot. And so kind of lastly in closing, I just want to like give you guys a reason why you should evangelize. And so uh, Josiah married Teresa like two years ago now, year ago? A year and a half. Uh, And so um, uh, Teresa got in the church through Liz House. Liz House started coming because we had a presentation uh, about abolishing abortion at our old building. And if Liz remembers, we would go out and, on Sinclair and we'd talk about uh, abortion related issues uh, and stuff, and, which eventually got Liz in the church, which eventually got Teresa, which then you guys got married. And I got to sit here as the second best man in Josiah's wedding. It's true. I was the second best man. Sam Champoon was the best man. Uh, and so I didn't do anything to bring them into the kingdom. I didn't do anything to really preach the gospel uh, per se. I don't do anything between Liz and Teresa to help them become more mature Christians or do Bible studies. But I was willing to talk about Christian-related issues and have open arms and welcome them into the church and. Uh, I take comfort in uh, being, you know, Josiah is one of my best friends of saying, hey, I helped them, I helped Josiah get connected with Teresa in some small way. If I wasn't obedient to Christ, starting with uh, talking with Liz, then who knows what would have happened? You know, but that's the mechanism that God used and I just wanted to be obedient and I didn't know that that was going to happen. But I'm proud in kind of just, uh, that the Lord wanted to use me, right? And I like being able to say, well, you know, uh, this person started coming to the church and, or whatever, and they are experiencing a healthy, healthier you know, Christian community and got baptized in the spirit. And I, you know, maybe uh, invited them or did something, right? I did some step forward to welcome them into the community. And I just take comfort and a little bit of pride in saying I played a little part in that. And so evangelism isn't going out and saying, hey, I'm going to take these uh, violent atheists, I'm going to convert them to Christians, and I'm going to do all the Bible studies, and I'm going to do everything, right? It's a community effort. We are evangelizing as a community, as a <laughs> lifestyle. Um, Bradbury is a good example uh, of, with Logan and everything and um and that's awesome and i think you know just takes you kind of want something to look back on and say yeah i played a piece in that i was there i did something i uh you know uh, i did something to help them experience a healthier christianity or bring them to christ or something whether it's handing out a flyer we're doing a flyer campaign by the way, soon. This isn't preparation to get everybody to go pass out flyers, but we are doing. I heard we're doing a flyer campaign soon, so um, you might be the person that like just passes out a flyer or puts one on a door that gets somebody uh, thinking about Christ or you know there's like all those people who say they're backslidden and they didn't come to church for. 20 years, but now they're coming back, but they were Christians the whole time, or whatever, and, or that you know, got them reconnected with the church, or something, you just want to be able to say that I played a part, right, I didn't just sit on the sidelines, ignore Christ's commands, and, because I didn't feel prepared, or I was a little scared, or, or something, or I got too busy, and so, um, that's what I'm advocating for, is that evangelism uh, needs to become uh, for all of us, that we all need to lift our, our minds for evangelism, um, for sharing the gospel, for welcoming people into the community. And uh, I can't tell you what the first step is. When I remember sitting, last story, and then we're done. Um, I remember sitting on Greg's back porch in like six, seven years ago. Um, and just like being broken for like lost people. And I was like, you know, all these sorts of, you know, how they used to do campus ministry and share the gospel and stuff. And I was like, Greg, I just wanna learn how to share the gospel and tell people, and can you teach me? And he was like, well, just go and do it and the Lord will teach you. And I was like, <sighs> I was like, no, Greg, like, like, what do I do? What do I say? He's like, well, just go out to the campus and share the gospel and you'll figure it out. I was like, oh, that's the worst answer. That's not what I wanted. Uh, and so it took me like two months, two or three months, to finally like get up the guts to like walk up to somebody on Wright State and go, Hi, my name's Stephen. Can we talk about Jesus, please? <laughs> like, like, and then after you do it a couple times, you're like, why am I so scared of these people who hate Christ and, like, uh, and don't know him? Like, why would I? And, and so you just got to go do it. You just do it. The Lord will teach you. Uh, if you don't think that, then go back to uh, Jeremiah 31 that says, "You will not need a teacher, for the Lord will be your teacher. Uh, everyone will know the Lord. And so you know the Lord enough. Uh, you, we, you can invite yourself over to my house. We can have coffee and dinner, and we can talk about practical things, but you really just got to go and do it. You really just got to talk to people. You have to look for opportunities, pray for opportunities, pray for the lost. Uh, and the Lord will open doors, and he will give you what to say, and he will teach you in the moment, and that's just what you have to do. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would uh, lift up our eyes to you in evangelism, that we'd become an evangelistic community, that you would pour out your spirit on us, um, that you'd give us boldness, give us confidence, um, give us faith to obey you, to trust you, and to to walk in this, Lord. Um, Teach us your ways. Give us a love for the lost. Make us brokenhearted for the lost. Uh, Even for those who just need a healthier Christianity, we pray that you would bring us to those whom you want to hear your gospel and that we would be your instruments through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.